Hello and welcome to episode three of the Rugby Base. I'm your host Jonathan. Let's get into some rugby. All right, I'm going to talk about most of the games that was played this weekend. You know, we'll talk about New Zealand versus France, Australia versus Ireland, South Africa versus England. I want to make more of a dual comment a comment on the uh, the Wales Argentina game, like the series as a whole. But then also, uh, you know, small touch on the fact that Scotland actually lost to the USA on the weekend. It was a really good win for uh, American rugby, and it's good for the world game. But get started with the New Zealand-France game, which has really got me quite fired up. And I don't, I can't believe that I'm here once once again having to discuss the issues with refing and officiating in rugby. And especially, it's yet again, I'm talking about it in regards to a New Zealand game. I don't care what the law of the game says and how black and white it says that you cannot essentially foul a person while they are going in the air you cannot tackle them they have to be brought down to ground safely etc etc that may be the black and white of it but what happened on the weekend to benjamin fall was not black and white and the entire thing has just, it just it ruined a game of rugby for starters 12 minutes into a game of rugby you have a very um interpretable like you can't it's, it's not it's not straight away red card it's 12 minutes into a game and you red card a player. You ruin the entire rugby match. You've ruined it. As a spectacle, that other side now is 14 men for over an hour on the field. It's absolute rubbish. And you already start at a handicap if you're playing against the All Blacks because they are so much better than everyone. What makes it worse is that after the game, his red card was rescinded. So they admitted that, oh, well, you know, it probably wasn't a red card. But then World Rugby came out after that and released a statement saying, oh, well, you know, according to the letter of the law, it was a red. And so we don't have a problem with the referee giving him a red card on the field because he didn't have all angles available to him. And so, you know, but now that after after the game, we've had all these angles come available to us. And now we can, you know, say with, you know, with, with confidence, oh, well, it wasn't a red card, but we can't um, say that Garden didn't do the right thing because he didn't have the same angles that are available to us. That's complete bullshit because we'll take five minutes in a rugby game, five minutes to see if a try is scored and we will have 10 different angles on what we're looking at and the referee is allowed to take his time to deal with that. Are you telling me that right now that they could not take an extra two minutes to get other camera angles in on what happened to Benjamin Fall? The entire thing is a farce. You cannot come out and say that he doesn't have the camera angles available, but then if they went and scored a try straight afterwards that was a bit contentious, you would spend five minutes with the video ref going, ooh, did his foot touch the line there? Ooh, is that a proper grounding? Did he knock that on? Is that a double movement? Complete bullshit. That was not a red card it was a yellow card at the worst and i think that's what should have been given world rugby is yet again covering a referee's ass by saying that oh no 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 we don't want to we don't want to publicly chastise or he did the right thing on the field it's only after the fact because of camera angles that we can now make a decision that says that maybe he was wrong but it's not angus gardner's fault it is angus gardner's fault he should have used the referee the video referee to give him more clear a clear idea of what happened in that tackle Fall, if you want if you want to punish players for challenging people in the air, that's fine. In this case, Fall's path was he was bumped into the path of Barrett, and that's what caused the accident. If you still want to make it known that you don't want foul play in the air, give him a yellow card. Cripple his team for ten minutes, not for sixty-eight minutes. He had he did nothing wrong. The entire thing was more of an accident than anything. And yet you punished France for 68 minutes for, as, with 14 men on the field. That's complete rubbish. It should have been a yellow card. You could have then cited him after the game if you wanted to and upped it and upgraded it to a red card if the if it was necessary to happen. But you ruined a game of rugby. 12 minutes in, ruined a game of rugby. 
And if I was France, I would be I would be aggrieved by the entire series that's been going on in New Zealand. And once again, I'm not having a go at New, New Zealand. Is not handing out red cards. For, it's the referees that are handing out the cards. And France has now had a yellow card that should not have been given in the first game. Two yellow cards that weren't given to New Zealand in the first game, and now a red card that completely ruined them. They were looking really good in that first 12 minutes as well. The fact that they only lost by 13 points in this game says that what you know we we all you know shrugging our shoulders now. What could have happened? Maybe France could have pushed them all the 80. Maybe we'd be talking about a three-point New Zealand win instead of a 13-point New Zealand win. They played really well with 14 men, and if I was France, I would really be aggrieved. And the fact is that. World Rugby needs to really take a hard look at this because everyone is getting sick of watching New Zealand dominate. But it's not just that they're dominating, it's that they are having decisions go their way that are crippling the teams that are playing them. World Rugby doesn't want to see that. We don't want we want to see New Zealand beaten for one, but we at, at the very least if we're going to get beat if people are going to get beaten by the All Blacks, you want to see a fair th- fairness on the field and whether the perception is wrong or right, people don't feel like the All Blacks are being refed the same way that everyone else is. And World Rugby needs to take a hard look at that because they're dominating World Rugby. They've been dominating World Rugby since 2010. We need something to change. And at the very least, the refereeing needs to go to a standard where at least the playing field's level. And then if we get steamrolled by the All Blacks in the process, well, that's that's just the way the game is. But the fact that every single time the All Blacks play, we are sitting and talking about refereeing problems is an issue in World Rugby. And we, they, World Rugby needs to take a hard look at it themselves a hard look at themselves on the field New Zealand have won this game yes but they only won by 13 points it's a bit disappointing compared to what that in the first game I talked about refereeing issues but for me they were swashbuckling at their swashbuckling best they were just they tore France apart I didn't think that the yellow card and I said that in my previous podcast I don't think the yellow card meant anything um, to that All Blacks team they absolutely tore them apart I expected them to do that in this game I'm not sure quite what happened maybe the French were you know a bit aggravated and they 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 fought a bit harder in this game because of the red card who knows if I was them I would use this um I would use that that feeling of anger and resentment directed at the All Blacks next week I know it's not their fault but direct that anger and resentment at the All Blacks next this week and try and um, go go for the jugular. I still think New Zealand's going to win this by, by 10 because I don't think that any team in world rugby right now can go 80 minutes against the All Blacks. But I think that for 60 to 65 minutes, I think France are really going to put up a fight. It's going to be a bit of an arm wrestle. And then that New Zealand fitness that we always talk about will come through and they'll end up maybe scoring, they might win by 10 to 15 points. But I think, I think it's going to be a much better game this week. I think France are really going to be up for it because of how they feel in regards to the last two games, I think they're going to come and hit it hard, but I think New Zealand are going to run out by 10 points in this one. Well, let's talk about the second game that happened on this weekend. The uh, game between Ireland and Australia. Well, I got this one wrong again. Ireland proved me wrong. I got overexcited by what I saw from the Wallabies uh, in the first game that they played, and, well, Ireland put their first their first teamers back on the field, and guess what? They bossed the game in the proceedings, and they won what was, I would consider, another tactical arm wrestle. I think for the rugby purists, the Australia-Ireland series has been really quite good. No team really being super, super dominant up until this point, and most of the winning has come from, you know, just pure tactical, tactical adjustments and stuff like that. Uh, the defensive strength that Australia showed the week before wasn't quite the same this week, and Ireland did a very good job of nullifying Israel Flower under the high ball, and this was a really important part and tactic implemented by the Irish. The Australian backline coach, Stephen Larkham, accused uh, Ireland of some dirty tactics in the way they prevented 
Israel Folau's running channels towards the ball. I didn't see anything of that. Uh, I think that's just more of a, a, a swing at the Irish. It's not really, nothing really doing there. The Wallabies backline just has to be better at putting Israel Folau in, a, in situations to succeed. They don't have to get out of Israel Folau's way to get to the ball either. As long as they don't step into his way and knock him off his run, then there's no issue with it. If, if, if they have to run around the player, Israel Folau has to run around a player. And so the Irish are very smart in this regard. I think that that means that Larkham just going to have to go back to the drawing board and find a way to stop this from happening. The unfortunate thing about this game is that it came with a pretty bad injury for the Wallabies uh, with Will Genia breaking his arm. Now, this is... I could highlight many problems in the way Australian rugby has been mismanaged over the past couple of years. But one thing that's really, really been hard for the Wallabies over the past maybe five years, so they have no depth. Their best 15 that they put on the field is arguably a top three side in the world they can beat most teams on their day but they don't have a lot of depth in in their ranks so we talk about two sides of a coin if we look at the um the the all blacks if their entire starting 15 got injured they could probably replace that and still be the best team in the world australia is one of those teams that if you when like israel falau gets injured it's a noticeable drop in performance when david pocock's not on the field there's a noticeable drop in performance and they don't have people of even half effectiveness to replace these people. So when we talk about Will Genia, Will Genia spent probably the last seven years flirting with being the world's number one halfback. And probably for a time 2012, 2013, he was the world's best halfback. And you can't put a price on just good, smart play from the number nine position and just quickness of delivery. They're two things that go hand in hand. How quickly the nine gets to the breakdown and gets that ball to, you know, it's one thing for the forwards to get you quick ball, but if your nine's not trailing you quick enough and getting to the breakdown quick enough and getting that ball out to the the back line quick enough, it really can be a hindrance. And when you get to the international level, you're talking about the elites in terms of speed and just tactical nous. And Genny is one of those guys who has a lot of speed. He gets a, he gets the breakdown very quickly. He gets a ball out very quickly. So when he's not on the field, you notice it very discernibly. And his backup is Nick Fibbs. Nick Fibbs is not half the player that Genny is. And you you just you, you look at and this is just the perfect example of how the depth in Australia is just absolutely is horrid. You go from having a world class number nine breaks his arm, and you've got a player that who just he's just he's not very good he's he's not going to get to the breakdown this this is the problem is going to cause fibs is not going to get to the breakdown quicker than genia he's not going to pass the ball out of that breakdown any quicker than genia that's going to give the irish time to set their defensive line that extra half second that they get at every single breakdown even if the aussie forwards do everything right get that ball out quickly it's not going to be the same sort of delivery you can see the difference in how south africa played last year with cronier Versus how they got Faf de Klerk. Faf de Klerk is into that breakdown so quickly. He buzzes around the field just like Genia. Gets the breakdown, gets that quick ball. So when the South African forwards have, as as they have against England this year, have been getting good front foot ball and recycling the ball really quickly, Faf has been right there to get the ball straight out to the back line. And you can see like the longer a game goes on, how England can't get their defensive line set up properly. And this is exactly what's going to happen now in reverse to Australia. They're not going to get the ball out quickly, and they're not going to be able to get the ball to the dangerous backline players that they have quick enough to surprise the Irish backline. That half second is going to give them time to set themselves and be ready to take the Australian line on. 
Rod Kafer says that Nick Fibs isn't a, isn't a dud. I disagree with you. He also says that you don't get 60 caps uh, for the Wallabies if you don't um, if you know if, if you're not some sort of good player. I once again disagree with that. I think it's a perfect example of how you do get 60 caps for the Wallabies because the Wallabies have had no depth for the past five years. So if you do have an injury, which Will Genia seems to, in between, he's generally a durable player, but he tends to have, when he does get injured, he takes he gets, takes really big injuries and he, he goes out of the side for quite a bit of time. And you notice every single time that happens that with Fibs as his replacement, it's not good. Fibs is a 46% winning percentage uh, when he's the starting halfback. It's just... He's not very good. He's definitely not um, Genia's level. And I think that this is going to play into the hands of the Irish. I think that the Irish showed last week that they are probably the better team, better tactically. I still don't think Australia's been bad in this series. I thought that Ireland was going to actually just walk over them this series. And they've shown a lot of resilience. They've shown a lot of tactical adjustment and stuff, which I think will serve them well going forward. But I think that that little thing there is going to give Ireland what the, what what they need to to win this game. I think it's going to be another tactical arm wrestle. I don't think that anyone's going to blow anyone out. Uh, but the thing is, is that I think that with that Genia not being there, I think that with Ireland's start, starters, they just are a better team. It's going to be a tactical arm. It's going to be a tactical arm wrestle. I think the Irish are going to be able to squeeze Australia out on this one, and I think they're going to win by five points. But I think it's I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be close for the entire game. And it could even it could even be a game that gets decided by a star player like Sexton or um, or Falau. Just you know, I think it's going to be one of those games. Okay, next game: England versus South Africa. England once again out of the gates fast. Twelve quick points. It's really a bit of an issue that Rassi Erasmus actually needs to really focus on because if you concede 12 very early points against the All Blacks, if you do it to Australia, if you let Australia do it to you in Australia, it's going to be very difficult to come back from that. And defensively, what ha- is happening is the back line is jumping out too quickly. Uh, they seem a bit over eager and they're getting outdone by just a lot more clinical, more settled backline play. A lot of the English players have been playing together for quite a while so they are they're settled they basically read the defense in front of them they're scoring two quick quick tries and then it's that happening that's basically sobering up the south african backline and making them think a bit straighter but they can't keep doing this because with the rugby championship around the corner you can't you can't concede 12 you can't concede 12 points to any of those three teams away from home if you do that you're going to get yourself you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna kill your chances of winning the game in saying that, though, from defensive negativity, let's look at the positive. Those are the only 12 points that England scored the entire game. Once the backline settled and stuff and South Africa got back into the business of playing traditional bulk rugby, they put England through a meat grinder. Uh, the first 20 minutes of the game was a bit heated. There was you know, a lot of you know stops in play, uh, a lot of um, argy-bargy. And I think that was, you know, the English forwards were really trying to have a go at South Africa's forward pack. It was, it was quite physical to begin with, but it became increasingly obvious the longer the game went on that England couldn't quite keep up to the, the level of physicality that South Africa was was throwing at them. Um, you only have to look at the the scrum, the, the, the penalty try that was a result of um, a massive, massive scrum at the beginning of the second half. It was it was, be- it was beautiful from a traditional point of view. It was, like it was just absolutely dismantled the English scrum. 
And the fact that Poiter let the scrum continue, like he let he, he put his arm out for a penalty, but he didn't blow it until South Africa had completely destructed the 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 scrum and that forced the point where they weren't able to score a try because of the collapsing of the scrum. He gave the penalty try. It was a really, really good example of how South Africa's forwards dominated this game. And it's a good thing to see as well because one of the problems with a lot of the way people approach rugby in the world today is that they want everyone to throw the ball around like New Zealanders. The thing that people don't tend to notice about New Zealand because they score so many points and because they've got razzle-dazzle in their back line is they don't realise how just amazingly physical their pack is. One of the reasons why South Africa really struggles against New Zealand is because New Zealand's probably the one team in world rugby where they can't get an ascendancy in the forwards. They sort of either hit, they either hit level or New Zealand actually dominates them on it. And so it becomes... When your forward pack is so dominant, that's what gives you the space to have your backline do its thing. And that's why New Zealand are so good. Everyone looks at their backline. The backline is incredibly talented. Most talented backline in the world. No questions there. But it's the little things like their forward pack always getting them good front football that you've got to watch out for. And it's a good thing that Erasmus is now... He's through this series of things. He's he's brought in like some really good players into the backline, form players from Super Rugby. But he's gotten that, that bock pack to really play physical hard traditional springbok rugby and you can see by the way he also uses his bench he is not he's not leaving his forwards on for too long he continuously substitutes his entire front row uh, at the beginning of the second half and what you end up seeing is you just get this you know fresh legs and a lot of the guys that are coming on could be starting themselves players like Kitsov could very easily be uh, starting for the springboks and not be on the bench and this is all good going forward and we need to really focus on this going into the rugby championship because I think that Australia and Argentina especially are there for the taking. And if we can use that against them in the rugby championship, be really, really good. Um, really good results can happen. And, you know, one of the key parts of that forward pack and they, they need to make sure that he's there. If he's fit, he needs to be there. Juan Vermaelen has been a big part of why not only why the, the the forward pack's been so visible, but he's had a veteran presence and he's just had a calmness about him that's been really good. And it's been really good to have him there alongside Sia Khaleesi as well. Because Sia Khaleesi, there's a lot of pressure on him being, you know, he's a new he's a new new captain to the Springbok side. And having that veteran presence in his back row with him, I think has really, really helped galvanize the side. Uh, he's at the peak of his powers, 31 years old. Uh, there, was a, there was a thought that maybe after spending the last three years in France, he might not be able to, adapt back to a more faster paced rugby and so he's been absolutely brilliant against England he's been by far and away South Africa's best player he's at the peak of his powers Erasmus has to make sure that he can get as much of a Mulan in the Springbok side between now and the 2019 World Cup it has to happen the other one that he needs to keep in this team is Faf de Klerk he has provided a massive spark to the box. And I said earlier in the podcast in referring to how Scrum how Scrum have such an important position in that how quickly the ball gets recycled into the back line is all up to it's up to the forwards giving you good front football and then it's up to the the scrum half being there being quickly to the breakdown getting that ball and how effective that is with Genia. well Faf de Klerk is that guy Faf de Klerk is so quick to the breakdown and you can see that this, that, that extra half second that the Bok back line has it's given England lots of fits and it gave them lots of fits in the first test when they couldn't actually keep, they couldn't keep up you know probably with because altitude played a part in it too. They couldn't keep up with the quickness of the of the ball being recycled. Looking forward to the game this weekend, uh, Erasmus is. And this is 
why I feel Erasmus has been really good so far for the Springboks. He's only had three matches in charge, but what he did was with the Wales game, he he put in a whole bunch of guys who've been performing in Super Rugby, but it wasn't probably what he would consider his first his first side. But he is playing players because he wants to see what they're about. He's not decided that, okay, well, I'm going to have these people play the Springboks. That's going to be my team going forward and barring injury. This is going to be my 15 in, in, at the 2019 World Cup. He's not doing that at all. What he's doing is he's rotating players. Every, he rotates players off the bench, gives them a good amount of time on the field. And so this weekend, he's actually taking some of his players, some form players, like Willie LaRue, for instance, off the field, and he's taking guys like Warwick Gallant onto the field because of their super rugby. So Gallant's had an absolutely superb rugby, super rugby season this year. And it's a good idea to have a look at him because we don't know what Willie LaRue... Willie LaRue's been really good. We don't know if we're going to have Willie LaRue for the you know the entire rugby championship. We having good good depths good as well. And Galant's played really really well. And it'd be a good idea. He, he might bring he bring a different sort of game style to the fifteen. And he deserves his shot at taking the fifteen jersey from LaRue. LaRue's done a great great job in staking a claim for it. But Galant's super rugby form warrants at least a chance to take it away from him. And the same goes for um, Esther Hazen, who's had an absolutely fantastic season for the Sharks. Granted, he's replacing Damien Dialende, who I have my issues with him being the number 12. He's very one-dimensional, one and I think Esther Hazen's going to take that jersey from him. I don't think that... I do not think that is going to have this jersey come the 2019 World Cup. But it's just an example of how Erasmus is going to rotate his squad. He's going to give players that are in form the chance to actually steal... Uh, positions on the field and that's that's what you should be doing you know especially when you, you want to build a squad you know in such a physical sport like you've got to have a squad you've got to be able to replace players as they get injured you've got to be able to rotate players after the 60 minute mark in a rugby game and hope and know that the person who's coming onto the field is going to perform just as good and so I'm happy with the rotations he's made I think it's going to be make a very interesting spring box side on the, uh, on the field this weekend it could be a bit disjointed it could be uh, with adding two new people into the back line like that. But that's okay because we need to see what they're about. They've both played fantastic Super Rugby this year. They're probably the two standout South African rugby players uh, so far this season. So they both deserve their chance. In England news, Danny Cipriani is getting his first England start for 10 years. And it's probably his last opportunity to to stake a claim for the England 10 journey jersey. He's had a bit of a... a a bit of a, a, a past with the England rugby team where he's had a bit of off-field issues. He sort of reminds me of an English Quade Cooper, to be honest. And his ability to create, the box need to be very wary, is that he's not a player who, he's not going to kick the ball away all the time. He's very not, he doesn't play to the traditional England style as a 10. He is more of a passer. He is more of a playmaker. And his ability to create mustn't be underestimated. I think what the box have got to do with him is they need to really send players right down his channel. They really need to rattle him early because that's when he'll make mistakes. That's when he'll just start doing silly things and throwing, you know, passes out the, you know, behind his back and stuff like that. Sort of like how you do with Quade Cooper. You rattle him and he starts to he starts to throw silly passes and stuff like that and he starts to get out of rhythm. If they don't want Cipriani to take over the game, which he can, he's one of those creative players. He's like LaRue, you know, he, he, they're a bit flamboyant. They can sort of take a game away from you just as easily as their mistakes can take a game away from your own team. So they need to rattle him early. Last chance for him. Uh, I, I don't think he's... I think that going forward, I think you've got to stick with George Ford. 
but you know give Cipriani the chance because the series is lost already you need to you know just like Erasmus is looking at all of his options going into the 2019 World Cup Eddie Jones needs to know what his what his squad is about what his squad can do uh, I think I think South Africa is going to win this one by 10 points I think that they've built really good momentum and England are doing the same thing that South Africa are doing they are rotating players in so it's not I think there's going to be a little bit of disjointedness in both teams, maybe say for the first 10, 20 minutes of the game before they get settled. So I don't think, I think that they're going to cancel each other out in that regard. I think that South Africa's momentum and the fact that they've got the better, they've had the better performers in this series so far, I think that's going to come through for them in a big way. And I think they're going to win by 10 points. Going to wrap up the rugby base with a few more points about other games we've played in them. The weekend of the past couple of weeks. Wales deserve credit for how they played in Argentina. They were underwhelming in the Six Nations. And they really needed to show in their tour games after the Six Nations that they are they are still on the right track. That they can do something in the Rugby World Cup next year. And so by beating South Africa in, in the United States, then they travel all the way down to Argentina. And winning those two games against Argentina especially, it took a lot of, um, a lot of guts to do that because... Playing Argentina in South America is one of the more difficult things you can do in world rugby. The crowds are quite passionate, but the Pumas get up like no like no other team at home. And I predicted that they weren't going to win the series. I thought they would draw the series or lose the series to Argentina just based on how well the Jaguares had been playing in Super Rugby. That didn't happen. Wales went to Argentina. They handled their business. And so they deserve credits because it's in terms of building towards next year, they needed that after their Six Nations performance this year. So well done. And moving on to Argentina now, they continue to define inconsistency. You know, ever since the uh, World Cup in 2007, we've been waiting for them to take the next step in their development. So, I mean, you know, they, they had a semi-final appearance in 2007, a semi-final appearance in 2015. And so... We feel like there's a development there and their super rugby team is doing really well. But then every time we think they're going to take that next step, that, that step where we can say categorically that Argentina, for instance, if they were playing in the Six Nations, they could win the Six Nations. You know, They don't do it. They do something like lose to a Wales team that they should be beating just based on the form, map, form that Wales had been in that the Argentina super rugby team in. And the fact that they were at home, they should have won those games. They should have beaten Wales. They didn't. And it's now forced their head coach to resign and it's put a lot of pressure onto this Pumas team going into the rugby championship. I don't know where they are this, this, this close to a World Cup. We don't know what they're about. What we do know is that they're still inconsistent and they still have discipline issues. And they need to start, they need to start again by beating Scotland this weekend. But who knows if they can do that because even though Scotland just lost to the United States... Argentina is so inconsistent. They just and they just don't know what they're doing right now. I it, I don't think it looks good for them. I really they're going to need a lot to pick them up this weekend and a lot to pick them up into the rugby championship because South Africa is improving. Australia is doing okay, uh, depending on how the final game against Ireland goes. It's not looking good for Argentina. Uh, and finally, I'm just going to say well done to USA Rugby for beating Scotland. Uh, it's not it's not a small feat. It's a, it's a good moment for them in their rugby history because it gives them something to build on. I mean, you know, years ago, we used to laugh at the idea of Argentina beating, you know, big, 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 uh, big 
rugby nations and you've got to you got to take baby steps you know you got to beat a, a team here and there and if you've got to build on the usa rugby can build on this from here so well done to them um scotland play argentina this weekend i think they'll bounce back i just as i was saying before about argentina i just don't think they know what they're about and i think scotland will feel quite bad about losing to the united states i think they'll bounce back with a win in that one all right thank you for listening to the rugby base uh join me next week and we'll have more talk about rugby